Are you aging? Do you have a parent who's aging? Is 60 the new 80, or is 80 the new 60? How about taking control of your health and well-being? We have a guest today who's going to help explain that to us here on St. Louis in Tune. Oh, greetings, listeners in listener land. Welcome to St. Louis in Tune, and thank you for joining us for fresh perspectives on issues and events with experts, community leaders, and everyday people who are driving change and making an impact that shapes our society and world. show is co-hosted by myself, Arnold Stricker, and Mark Langston, and we're glad that you're joining us today because we have Dr. Roseanne Leipzig. She is an internationally recognized physician in the field of geriatrics. She's transforming the way we approach aging individually and as a society. And in her 40-plus year career, she's treated thousands of patients and trained hundreds of doctors in all specialties of medicine. She is the Gerald and May Ellen Ritter Professor and Vice Chair Emerita of the Brookdale Department of Geriatrics and Palliative Medicine at the Icon School of Medicine at Mount Sinai in New York City. Wow. And she received her... MD and PhD in human genetics from the University of Michigan. She's received numerous awards, and I'm going through this lengthy bio because it's important. She is an expert in the field. Numerous awards, Best Doctors in America, Woodward White, Inc., America's Top Physicians, Consumer Research Council of America, New York Times Super Doc, one of New York Magazine's top doctors for geriatric medicine. She's appeared on the Today Show, CBS Evening News, Sunday Morning CBS, CNN AARP webinars, published in Time Magazine, the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, AARP Magazine, Consumer Reports, and she's published over 100 scientific articles, two groundbreaking books of geriatrics. And the one we're talking to her today about is her latest one, Honest Aging, an Insider's Guide to the Second Half of Life, was published in January of this year by Johns Hopkins University Press. Dr. Leipzig, welcome to St. Louis in Tune. Wow. Thank you very much. That was quite an introduction. You're, you're, you're quite the physician. I was thinking the same thing, doctor. You know, and just to let people know, she's going to be uh, appearing at the St. Louis Jewish Book Festival, and th- that will be next week, and I will give you more information on that as, as we go through. But the book is just unbelievable, and as Mark and I are, we're the same age. We went to high school together, and we both... Are, are of that age where this book is actually a really good one. <laughs> and I, I like the big print, <laughs> the extra large print. I appreciate that. So, so I guess I guess my first question is, in what ways have you, because I, I mentioned this, have you and are you continuing to transform how we approach aging individually and collectively? What does that mean and what does that put legs on that for us? Sure. We live in an incredibly ageist society. You just have to pick the paper where everybody's debating if the three years difference between Joe Biden and Donald Trump really makes a difference or not. Okay. And can either of them run the country at this point in time? That's if a great question. It, we could probably do a whole show on that question alone. I'm could. sorry. I'm sorry, doctor. Go ahead. <laughs> or look on TV at how older people are being portrayed. I have a friend who loves birthday cards. He's a clinical psychologist and he look, to get a sense of how our society looks at different ages, it's not pretty, okay? We have to work against that ageism, which is not just in our society, but we have it in ourselves. We're not, we're afraid to say how old we are, 
Okay. It's something bad will happen if they, people know how old you are. And yet we are so lucky to be able to live this long. Absolutely. The first time in history. Okay. You get 20 to 40 years after you've retired or the kids are gone. It's a whole new life. And we need to be looking at it through a positive lens. And there are people who have looked at this. There's a wonderful clinical psychologist. I like those at Yale, Becca Levy. And he has looked at what happens if you have a negative perception of aging and what happens if you have a positive one as you age. And you take that negative, that negativity with you into old age. People with a positive point of view live seven and a half years longer and they live better. They're able to do more than people who have a negative image. We all have to really work individually and as a society to change what we think aging is. We're in denial. And you got some of that from your grandmother, correct? Mm. Absolutely. Absolutely. My grandmother lived with us when I was a kid. And she had colon cancer. And in those days, it was a messy business. Okay. Much better now than that. So she lived with us for about seven years. And despite those sorts of problems, he would buy, he would go out to her Jewish community center, actually. That he would have a friendship club there. He made a sahala all the time. He volunteered. And if you were to ask her what it was like to get older, he would say, you're only as old as you let yourself feel. Hmm. And I think that's really the bottom line. We have a lot of control over certain parts of our aging. Obviously, there are things we do not have control over. But how we respond to them is something we do have control over. Now, you have a, I'm outlining a little bit of your book. You have a, the book is in, in three parts for listeners. It's Aging 101. And then you talk about what really matters as you grow older. And then the difficult decision and I found that the aging 101 is, it's where you talk about normal versus non-normal aging and that's, you're building a scaffold to hang the rest of the book on. So could you go into a little bit about normal versus non-normal aging? Cause you get specifically in, in part two of the what really matters and, and you get into some things, which I'll talk about in a second here. Okay. So I think of normal aging as things that happen to almost everybody. As they get older, it's not always in the same order at the same time, but most of these things are going to happen. For example, you're going to be getting reading glasses when you're in your 40s, okay? Your hearing is going to get worse as you get older. You're going to walk more slowly. Your arms are going to get flabby, and you'll have a pot belly because the way in which that is distributed in the body changes as you get older. You have senior moments. And everybody's worried about those. Want to more about that? We can. You become more sensitive to medications. Mm-hmm. You need lower doses. Sometimes you need different medications. Some medications that you've been taking for years and years, you need to decrease the dose of. Mm-hmm. You urinate more at night, whether you've got a prostate or not. Okay, it's a very mm-hmm. bad joke that gets played on. But right. The way that diseases present and the way that symptoms occur can be different. Can I add that so, can I add that my ears get bigger too? 
Why? Well, I, I, yes. well, every, everything sags. <laughs> everything sags. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> so I like that. Yeah, like, it's true. Everything does sag. It all goes south. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yep. Go ahead. I'm sorry, doctor. Go ahead. That's okay. That's all right. People talk about how much water you could have, and they tell you that if you're thirsty, that means you're dehydrated and you need to drink water. But as you get older, you don't get thirsty. It's the same amount of dehydration as you do when you're younger. And so with the weather being as it has been these last several years, a lot of people are getting dehydrated and having heat stress and heat diseases because they're not drinking enough because they don't feel thirsty. So with one of my patients said, take a look in the, in the toilet bowl, see how concentrated that urine looks. That's a good way of having it sense to whether you're drinking enough or not. Well, those are just some examples. There are a lot. Yeah, I, I found that fascinating as you were talking about that, and you get into that in the book that we think everything should be like staying the same, some kind of stasis, especially what kind of was enlightening to me was the medication thing, that we may not need the same kind of dosage of medication as we get older. And you give an example of how one of your patients went into the emergency room and was you were having a little back and forth with the attending physician at the time. It was this patient who was having some uh, nauseated and belly pain, and you were trying to explain to them what they needed to do. If you could go ahead and go into that, because I think it's important, too, that as we get older, we need to have a physician who specializes in geriatric medicine also. And even if they don't specialize, they need to know the difference, okay? This was one of my patients who had very bad nausea and vomiting, and they, they were residents, actually. They weren't the attending physicians, but they wanted to send her home because when they palpated her belly and tried to see if it was tender or anything, he had no tenderness. So they figured it was nothing to worry about and he could go home. But older people, that's not unusual. You can have a perforated gallbladder and have an absolutely benign belly. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. I had a friend with that happened to and keeping her in the hospital was hard because she didn't believe she had the problem, although she felt rotten. Her belly didn't feel bad. So I said to them, just get some imaging of the belly so that you can see what's going on. And when they finally did that, they saw an incredible infection that needed surgery to clean her out. She was in the hospital for a couple of weeks. Now, she'd gone home and just thought, this is what's going to happen, and didn't go back. She wouldn't have lived. But really important, heart attacks are similar, okay? When you're 50 for some people who are having a heart attack don't have chest pain or pressure. They get short of breath. They may get confused. They may feel faint. But that thing that we always think about, the elephant on your chest, that's not happening for most of the people who are 80 and over. Hmm. That's very interesting. Why, why is wow. that? Why, yeah. yeah. No good answer. The theory is probably that our pain receptors are less sensitive mm -hmm. as we get older, particularly the one around the organ, which is why you don't feel the perforated gallbladder or the heart attack. But we're not sure. Now, one of the things you do in part two is you get into, it's entitled, What Really Matters As You Grow Older, and you talk about cognition, energy, emotions, mobility, sleep, 
urine trouble, eyes and ears, aches and pains, gut feelings, GI, weights and sex. And you, I think what you do here is it's like a manual. It, it has advice for loved ones, resources. You have tips. You have explanations with examples and even some drawings. And you get a bottom line, which I think helps people understand, hey, what I'm going through is fine. Or, no, I probably need to call my doctor about this. So why these areas are these kind of the areas that you've always seen in, in patients when, as you've been treating them for, the, for your career? They are things that people do tend to come to me for. They're also things that we tend to call geriatric syndrome as opposed to a disease. And the reason for that is that all of these have more than one cause. We usually think, oh, I have pain here it's because of this or I have a cold because of this virus. But when you're 80 years old, you've had a lot of time to have a lot of things happen. Right. So they can contribute to the symptoms that you're having. So we need to figure out all the things that are contributing. We may not be able to cure you, but we can make you a lot better. And actually, in the back of the book, I put in the checklist for you to go through before you see your doctor that have all of the things to think about that can be causing these symptoms. That the, gives them a head start. Yeah, those are some, uh, In I'm looking at that, folks. It's There are some appendices here, and what Dr. Leipzig has are questions, and it's just, like she said, it's checklist here. And is that something that you would take to your physician then and present that to them, or would they be offended that, gee, where'd you get this, and why are you doing that? Because I know some well, physicians I, might be a little t testy about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think we are trying to train physicians to be patient-centered. Okay. And, uh, good, good bedside manner. Yeah, right. You know, what really matters to you as patients. But I, you might want to say, I thought I had this problem. I saw this book and they said all of these things might contribute. I just wanted you to know what's going on with me. Maybe that'll help us figure out what we can do something about. Your section three is on making uh, difficult decisions. and. Uh, these are things that, and I'll let you explain that because it, some of it deals with um, driving, some of it deals with extended care, some of it deals with um, end-of-life kinds of um, termination and things like that. Would you briefly go into that section? Sure, sure. I have found that there are certain areas, there are several areas, but these are three that people really have a hard time dealing with. And their families have a hard time dealing with it. So one is, who's going to speak for you if you are in a position that you can't speak for yourself? Because we all have strong feelings about different things. And if you are so sick that you can't say what it is you want, you really need to have an advocate. And don't just name someone. Tell them, number one, I've had the... the uh, situation where I've called someone and said, did you know that you're their healthcare practice? No, I had no idea. Wow. Kind of. Yeah. And tell them what matters to you because it's very hard as a healthcare proxy. Put yourself out of the situation and say, this is what my loved one wants. Not what I want. It's what they want. And if you tell them what they, what you want, it's much more likely to happen. So that's one thing. Driving is, I live in New York. It's not such a big problem here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the rest of the country, driving is a big problem. 
and driving is independent. When we were 16 and we got our license, we were out of there. We were able to do what we wanted. And it's very concerning. People feel the rest that they, they're dependent on other people and families don't know how to deal with this either. So there, I try and give tip number one, why it's so important. And some tips, just simply, if you can afford it, upgrade your car. There are all of these new safety features that don't exist in older cars. They can really make you a safer driver. And also to try and figure out what it costs to keep a car. Because with Ubers and Lyft and these sorts of things, you can go take a lot of trips before you come up to what you're paying for your insurance and my gas and everything else, the service thing of your car. So it's ways to try and think about if I can't drive, what could I do? And think about it before you get to that point, because we're all going to get to that point. That's true. Yeah. And the third is moving. Should I move or should I not? And this is something that oftentimes the kids have a lot more trouble with. The parents are happy where they are. They want to stay. And the kids see lots of problems with them being where they are. Mm -hmm. And I think it's the biggest thing here and with any of these is really for people to hear each other. Hear your concerns. What is it you think is going to happen? And why do you want to stay here? Why is it so important? And to try and figure out a compromise that'll work for both of you. Because we're kidding ourselves if we think it doesn't affect the other person. Sarnal Strick with Mark Langston of St. Louis in Tune. We're talking to Dr. Roseanne Leipzig. She is a trailblazer in the field of geriatrics. And I can't, I can't recommend this book enough, Honest Aging, An Insider's Guide to the Second Half of Life. I will give this to my kids. Oh, yeah. And Pass I, it along. I, yes. And I think people who are 60 and older need to read this, mm -hmm. and they need to give a copy to their kids. And I, I don't know what your, your philosophy is on that. Uh, Dr. Leipzig, but that's mine. Can I ask about doctors? I have the same, I do. I have the same MD. Is he equipped to, to help me age? Do you think? It seems to me it's like hard. some doctor, I'm sorry to interrupt. Some doctors seem like they may be pigeonholed into just one way that they do things, but you make a good point that doctors should be able to deal with me in a more of a geriatric way as an age way. And I, I'm yeah. not sure if they're sympathetic towards that. I think some are and some aren't. Okay. We're trying to think everybody who's going through medical school, residency, who are in practice, what we've learned over the past 30, 40 years. Some of them have, have heard it and some haven't. But I think the thing to realize is your health and your care is in service of your being able to do what you want to do. It's not having a perfect hemoglobin A1C. It's not having a perfect blood pressure. If the medications are causing you a problem, mm. it's really what matters to you. And as you get older, we know less about what the benefits are and what the risks are of some things that are just written in stone for younger people. Mm -hmm. Because older people were not in the study. And older people who had other disorders certainly mm. weren't in the study. I think our way of thinking what we should be doing is changing. And you see it in things like the Prevention Services Task Force, which I had the honor to serve on. And we said colonoscopy, 85 
that's probably the end because it takes another 10 years for something that wasn't there then to grow and cause the problem. Mm. And in that 10 years, so many other things could get you. Right. It's unlikely. That, right. And it's going to be colon cancer. Good point. <laughs> Good point. Never, Dr. never thought about it. Never considered that. Yeah. Dr. Yeah. Leipzig's yeah. going to be at the St. Louis Jewish Book Festival on the 16th of November. That's next Thursday. If you're, we're actually recording this earlier. And if you want information on that, go to jccstl.com, jccstl.com. And her website, your website is, is unbelievable too. You got a ton of information on there. I was having fun going through all that information on there. It, her website is rosanemd.com, rosanemd.com. Last question. What is the most common question that you get from patients about aging? Am I developing dementia? I forgot this. And I have an answer, which is simplistic, but I think it helps. And it goes back to that senior moment that we were talking about as being normal. So in a senior moment, you, you look at the actor on TV and you're like, I, what's his name? I know his name. Or I get this the other day. I was thinking I have a nephew who's in VC and I could not remember for the life of me what VC stood for, venture capital. And later on, it came to me, and now I can pull it out, right? That, if you're able to pull it out, or if you somebody tells you and you keep remembering it, that is not dementia. That is a senior moment because you stored the information when you heard it, and you have a problem getting it back out again, okay? The problem with dementia is you don't store it, mm. but you can't get it back out. Ah. And that's why people ask the same question over and over again. Fascinating. And you, yeah, it, it really is. And the other thing to realize is that if you don't hear it, it's not going to get stored. If you don't see it, it's not going to get stored. Or if you don't smell it, you, mm. if you don't get enough sleep, because that's where you consolidate these memories, mm. not going to get stored. So you, there are things that you can do, and medications, of course, can screw up your memory as well. Yeah, you talk about using all of your senses, uh, especially as you get older, to help store those memories in. And yeah. I thought that was an excellent point that you made there, and it makes perfect sense to me, because we, we kind of peg things and memory pegs and smells and locations and things we see and way people look and name associations and things like that. They all help us to get those things back out again. The book, again, is Honest Aging, an Insider's Guide to the Second Half of Life. Take Control of Your Health and Being by Dr. Roseanne Leipzig. She's a MD and PhD. I really appreciate the time that you've been able to give to us today. And, uh, folks, if you can, get to the St. Louis Ju Jewish Book Festival on the 16th of November, jccstl.com, to get some tickets. Uh, this is a great book, Dr. Leipzig. Again, I, I highly recommend it to anybody who's pushing 60 and over and giving it to their kids to read and maybe sit down having some honest conversations about health at the time currently and then what's going to be going on in the future. Absolutely. We are deniers and we need to come out. Yes, yes we are. <laughs> I'm still 30. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'm 72 and a half. <laughs> Touche, doctor. <laughs> she, 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 she's being honest. We're being, we're not being honest. No, I know. I'm a big fat liar. 
<laughs> okay. Dr. Leipzig, right. thank you very much for your time. I appreciate it. Okay. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Bye-bye. Safe travels. Bye-bye. Yeah. <laughs> Mark, this, this book, I, I started reading it. It's full of just, <laughs> I don't want to say common sense, but it's common sense kinds yeah. of things that you wouldn't know. Like if, it's kind of like going to WebMD in your hands here, but it's better than WebMD <laughs> because WebMD does things. It sends you to this thing and it freaks you out. Yeah. And she, she lays things out and goes, no, this is kind of normal. Yeah. Or these are things you can expect. Or she you knows she talks about hearing, how we hear. And then she has pictures of, you know, how we actually hear and what's going oh, on and like what we hear and like what that. the brain's doing and what happens when we age with our hearing and how to adapt to a new normal and yeah. uh, red flags what to what to you yeah. know if you have a sudden loss of hearing what what's going on and so she goes into yeah. all these kinds of things in here and in all these areas it's just Those, i can't get enough of the book i love it that's i like that kind of information yeah what kind of explains so i can see what's going on and understand it, what's yes. going on and, yeah and serious about giving it to the kids yeah That's all for this show, and thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, you can listen to additional shows at stlintune.com. That's stlintune.com. And please consider leaving a review on Apple or Podchaser or your preferred podcast platform, as your feedback helps us reach more listeners and continue to grow. Thanks to Bob Berthesell for our theme music and co-host Mark Langston. And we thank you for being a part of our community of curious minds. St. Louis in Tune is a production of Motif Media Group and the U.S. Radio Network. Remember to keep seeking, keep learning, walk worthy, and let your light shine. For St. Louis in Tune, I'm Arnold Stricker. <laughs>